0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Cognitively Speaking. This is the podcast dedicated to caregivers that are providing care to persons with dementia, Parkinson's disease, or any cognitive impairment. My name is Lily Williams, and I will be your host for this evening's podcast episode. I am a true caregiver that has provided care to persons with dementia for over 22 years. I am the founder of Aging in Place Care Alliance And we're going to go for a journey. Let's go. In this podcast episode, we will discuss exercise and diet. Specifically exercise and diet because it has been researched over time to indicate that there is a correlation between them and cognitive function in the elderly. And also, there has been enough research performed to link the risk of dementia associated with exercise and diet. So in this episode, we will discuss how exercise and diet, as well as activities that you can use therapeutically on persons with dementia and high anxiety. So the bullet points here and things that hopefully caregivers will be able to take something away from today's topic will be exercise and diet, the correlation between them and cognitive function, dementia and high anxiety, and therapeutic ways that you can reduce the anxiety levels. I'm sure that as caregivers, we've all heard that following a healthy diet and exercise daily, can improve mental cognition or mental abilities. In the elderly, this is especially true. Exercise and diet can have significant benefits to their joint mobility as well. And experts do recommend that everyone follow a low-fat, low-calorie, and nutrient-rich diets. It's very beneficial for the elderly to follow these specific diets, not just for the The gains that they will gain in their mobility and the gains that they possibly may see in their mental cognition. But if they are already cognitively impaired, there's also a chance that they can see improvements by following a balanced diet that the experts recommend. And again, I'm sure we've all heard the saying you are what you eat and it kind of it makes sense and i would say it's 100% accurate being a caregiver working in healthcare for 24 years and just seeing different things working in different many different phases of healthcare i've worked with everyone from i've seen a lot i've seen i think i've seen too much in the healthcare field so when i say you are what you eat is because when it all boils down to it, if you live the lifestyle where you don't follow a nutrient-rich or balanced diet, you might find yourself, um, suffering with any type of anemia problems you might, or nutrient deficits, um, And it kind of all derives on your diet. Some of it may be hereditary, but the majority of it is your diet. So if you don't eat anything that's going to benefit your body, you're not putting the the nutrients, the vitamins that your body needs. If they're not getting that from the foods that you're consuming, then that's going to later lead to health issues over time. And so that's why we have a lot of elderly people that are diabetic they're consuming too much sugar or they have a sugar imbalance where their body's not functioning to control the sugars. And so they have low sugar. You have people with high cholesterol that are contributing to heart issues and heart failure. You have people on dialysis, their kidneys are failing possibly because of their diet and their lifestyle over the years, majority of the time. And then those correlate with the diabetes. And then you have a lot of our people are being amputated and this and that because of their diet. You have problems with blood flow and oxygen flow when you're, you're body's not getting what it needs to work correctly, then you also have respiration issues and it just never, never ends. So the benefits and purpose of eating a a balanced diet, like I said, you truly are what you eat. And if we know that in our younger years, we would start earlier, I assume, taking care of our bodies and only giving our body what it needs all the other stuff, the the sodas, the additives, preservatives, all that stuff is really, really killing us. So if we knew better, I think we would do better starting out. But now with today's age and technology and all this information and the health advocates, it's time to take your health very, very seriously, young people. And like I said, I've I've been exposed to so much over the years, and just people not eating properly, failing to intake proper amounts of protein, and I see how it affects skin breaking down and. When you're when you're an older adult and you're not as mobile, you can't get up and move like you used to, um, your skin breaks down. And when I say break down, and I don't know if anyone has ever seen a major bed sore, your skin really deteriorates. It just goes away, tissue and all. So your skin breaks down, um, lack of protein contributes to that and just not being mobile. So you got to really eat well or eat to live and take care of yourself. It's it's very vital. It's very vital. So a lot of people are living the vegan lifestyle as a diet. Um, And there's been enough people that have followed the vegan diet over the years for us to have assimilated enough research to see that there is a linkage. There's a connection between a vegan diet and... Respiration failure or respiration issues in the elderly. So, people that have maintained what they consider a vegan diet for the majority of their life were saying that they are having respiratory oxygen issues. So, I'm not so sure if a vegan diet is the best diet to follow because your body, as you age and become an elderly person, requires more protein. Or just as much protein in your elderly years as you would in your, just say, teens and your 20s. So it's very vital that you kind of understand the impact of these different diets that you want to follow in your lifetime as well. You would never think that, oh, if I live a vegan lifestyle, I'll be healthy and everything will be okay. We're starting to see where that's not the case. These people are having the higher respiratory issues. So that's one piece of advice that I would like for everyone to know. Just consider what you're doing to your body and what foods you do consume and the impact. Do as much research as you can as possible. Like I said, you would think a, a, a all-vegan diet would be a, the best option, but your body requires protein. If you're not going to put any animal-based protein in your body, then you have to get a protein supplement that is just as good and it's going to keep the nutrient levels and the protein levels where they need to be um, as you age. Um, We also have a lot of, as a caregiver, we all know that we have people that we care for and they just refuse to eat anything that's savory or the main things that they need to consume, like the proteins, for instance, it's hard to get them to consume them. It could be either because they have problems swallowing, chewing, and we all know as caregivers, or if we don't know, you'll learn that over the years, your taste buds decline. And the last taste bud that remains and has the highest uh, level of taste is actually your sweet taste buds, the buds that can detect sweetness. So as as the elderly age, you'll notice that they will cling to only wanting sweets in the morning, breakfast, lunch, dinner, all the time. That's all they want, something sweet. So that's the reason their, their taste buds have declined and that, that sweet taste bud is usually the last one to go. So that's all they can taste pretty much. And that's all they want. So... I found ways to get over that over the years. Um, I don't, I'm don't. not recommending you sweeten everything with sugar. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Absolutely do not do that. There's sweeteners. You can use natural sweeteners such as honey. You can use mock fruit sweetener. I would not use too many of these Um fake sugars or additive sh- sugars like Splenda. I'm not big on using those types of things just because there's things in some of those things that we should not be putting in our bodies. And I'm not a dietitian, but I've lived and I've experienced and I've seen a lot, like I said. So I would use natural sweeteners. Monk fruit is okay. It's a good sweetener. You have uh honey. Of course, that's nature's sweetener. So things like that, just to sweeten up their proteins or whatever it takes to get them to eat the other portions of their meal that makes it a well-balanced, nutritious meal. The impact that exercise has on an elderly adult with or without a cognitive impairment has been highly researched, recommended, and implemented into the care plans of many As a caregiver that loves to keep my patients active and I really enjoy having a really good time with them, throughout my caregiving years, I've learned how exercise is so beneficial to the body. But I've also learned that it's also very, very beneficial to the health of the brain. I learned this when I suffered from my concussion. And part of my recovery therapy was physical therapy. At first I couldn't understand how and why I had to have such vigorous workout sessions pretty much every single day. And why it had to be so often, so much, so lengthy. I had resistance training. um, And I think that was the majority of my, my recovery. It all boiled down to my brain cognition. After the swelling went away in hopes to improve my cognitive impairment that resulted from the concussion. So that was the purpose of the rigorous physical therapy. So from a personal experience, I am all for strength training for the elderly with or without a cognitive decline. Because I know from experience that this will help to improve their brain health. Sensory experiences can really go a long way and help the elderly with dementia that also suffer from anxiety. Most of the time, their anxiety is a result of losing some of their abilities. So they're frustrated and they don't know how to deal with the situation. They know they're changing. They're not sure how they're changing, but they know there's changes. So that increases their anxiety levels. My favorite sensory activities to help calm the anxiety over the years that I've, I just enjoy these two things. There's lots of things that you can implement as a caregiver, but these are my two favorite. And the first one is aromatherapy with the use of essential oils. It's very vital that you use essential oils because essential oils are natural. They're derived from plants, herbs, trees, flowers, um, and they don't contain alcohol or any agents that can trigger sneezing episodes coughing episodes or alcohol so those things tend to trigger reactions in people and they don't have to have dementia they will trigger reactions in anyone that has allergies of some sort so we want to use natural essential oils And this will help to improve their physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. We just place little dollops of the essential oils on cotton balls and just let them smell them. A lot of times it brings back memories, childhood memories. I know peppermint essential oil is one of the ones that always triggers childhood memories of Christmas or peppermint candy in church. So I get that a lot. I get that response a lot from the patients when they smell the peppermint essential oil cotton balls. Another thing that I love implementing or uh, acting out along with the patients is part of physical therapy and that's dance. I I love to dance. Always love to dance. Thought I'd be a ballerina. (laughs) Life chose other things for me. But they love to dance. They love to dance. They love to sing. Do not let them watch a YouTube video with Elvis gyrating his hips. If they are a baby boomer, they're going to get up and gyrate their hips. They love to dance. They love it. They love it. They love it. And that's part of physical therapy. And it too also helps to improve their emotional and physical well-being. I one of my favorite persons in the whole white world. Uh I was her caregiver somewhat, uh, in the outpatient clinic basis and she taught me a dance that I never had heard of and you would think I would have learned that or known that, but it was a California thing and they went to the drive through movies a lot and so she said they would sit in the cars and they would listen to music and they couldn't physically move their entire body. So she showed me how to do the California shoulder bop. <laughs> it's their way of dancing in, in, in the cars while they're at the movie theater. They just gyrated their shoulders. But it was pretty cool. Pretty hip. Car dancing. Car hop dancing. Uh I learned a lot from that young lady. I love her so much. She was my absolute favorite um patient. And so... Aside from those two things, those are my two favorite, favorite sensory activities. You can also implement singing, gardening, reading, painting, knitting, bowling, swimming if they're still able to, bicycling if they're still able to. Another thing is once you've done all the physical stuff, physical activity, kind of encourage the family to go out and purchase weighted blankets. Now if it's a little petite elderly lady and she's like 90 plus pounds, just let them know that these weighted blankets come in different, different weights. And I think the most the less weight that I've seen in a weighted blanket is 12 pounds. But at the end of the day when they've done all their physical activities and you've gotten them to eat their proper diet and their foods and you spent time with them, connecting with them, invest in a weighted blanket and lay them down at night. It soothes them. It calms them. It helps with the anxiety. A weighted blanket is so therapeutic. It does tremendous wonders with persons with dementia. At at the end of the day, if they've had a long, long day, it will help them to calm down and relax. And I myself, I have invested in one for my own use and my 15 minutes are up and it's been a wonderful discussion. And I look forward to talking to everyone next week. Same app, same apps and same time. Have a wonderful evening.